Well, I want you to picture something with me. I want you to imagine maybe, maybe you're at a basketball game. Maybe it's the Huskers or whatever basketball game. And a tall figure gracefully steps up to the free throw line and a basketball in hand, right? Everybody's holding their breath. And with a flick of the wrist, the ball soars through the air and swishes in the net. Now, this is the opposing team, so the opposing fans go wild. It's, it's probably, you've probably pictured a scene like this before. Now, imagine a player from your team stepping up to the free, free throw line, getting ready to shoot, and shooting underhand like a gentle grandma tossing a cookie into her cookie jar. Now, this kind of shot is known as the granny shot, and this technique was made famous by Rick Barry, defying conventional wisdom, yet yielding amazing results. Now, Rick Barry played for the NBA in the 1960s and 70s and embraced the underhand free throw. And guess what? He consistently shot over 90% from the free throw line, making him one of the most accurate shooters in NBA history. Now, the average in the NBA for free throws is 70%. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Physicists have studied the mechanics of the granny shot, and they have discovered that The ball, when you shoot a granny shot, it has a higher arc, increasing the likelihood of making the shot. The backspin, when you shoot that way, also applies a softer impact on the rim, giving the ball a better chance of dropping in. And yet, very few free throw, or very few players have the courage to adopt this free throw technique. It's as if they fear the ridicule more than embracing a higher free throw percentage. Now, Discover Magazine, they they had an article on, on Rick Barry, and they said, despite the logic of this granny approach to foul shooting, no NBA player has used it since Rick Barry retired in 1980. And Barry was quoted as saying, this baffles me. He said, with the underhand shot, I could make 80% of my throws with my eyes closed. And he said, I do mean closed. And so he also said that over the years, he tried to convert um, everyone. His four sons who played professionally, Shaq, other players, he said, but nobody would pay any attention. And he said, a lot of guys are lousy at free throw shooting, and they would be prime candidates for this, but they just won't do it. Now, he also said, I mean, how can guys call themselves professionals when they can't even make 60% of their free throws? Where's their sense of pride? So the physicist who was interviewed for this article Tom Steger said, perhaps that's the problem with the granny shot. As good as it is, it does look kind of stupid. 
Now we can take a lesson from Rick Barry and his granny shot, embracing the unconventional, leading us to extraordinary results. So whether it's on the basketball court or in our own lives, let's not shy away from being weird and wacky and different from the rest of the world. As Christians, I think a really important question for us to ask is, are we so afraid of what the world might think of us that we don't do what we are supposed to do? Now, Rick Barry did not conform to what the rest of the players were doing. And in the same way, our scripture that we're going to focus on today says that we are not to conform to the patterns of the world, but rather we are supposed to be transformed. Now, we're talking about our stories, the stories we have when Jesus transforms our lives. And we find our story, and then we rediscover our story so that we don't wander off doing uh, our own thing on our own path away from Jesus, where Jesus is no longer the center of our world. So we're celebrating these stories this, in this sermon series, I Am Horizons, and it's Senior Sunday also today. So here are a few of our seniors. Here's their stories that make us at Horizons who we are. Take a look. Horizons. What are we gonna find? I am Horizons. I am Horizons. I am Horizons. Hi, my name is Grace Reeder, and I've been a part of Horizons for about seven years now. Um, hi, my name is Riley McInerney, and I've been a part of Horizons for almost 19 years now. So my story is when I first came to Horizons, um, I was in fifth grade at Fusion Midweek, and Jesus just really showed me like love and acceptance when I first walked in. Um, I had three people come up to me right away, and were just super welcoming, and one of them was actually Riley. And, you know, I didn't really know anybody there. My friend had invited me, but she was kind of more reserved. And so it was just nice knowing that I had other people that just, you know, didn't have a care in the world and instead just wanted to come welcome me. Um, So, yeah, since then, I have grown in my faith by serving in those same ministries. So I help out with Fusion Midweek. Um, I now serve in the DZ hallway, helping out with the special needs ministry. And I've gone on a lot of the Arise trips and the service missions that we do. Um, Through my time at Horizons, Jesus has taught me the importance of service and quality time with others. I think the communities that I've made and built through Horizons have allowed me to become to grow stronger in my faith and to become closer to Jesus. I have learned um, the power of service and quality time through being able to go on uh, mission trips with the church, go on fusion retreats, go on Arise retreats, and also serving in the DZ hallway on Sunday mornings. Um, I have continued to grow in my faith here at Horizons by continuing that service in the DZ hallway and showing up and just building communities with others. This is my story. I am Horizons. My name is Caleb Sajovic, and I've been going to Horizons for about 10 years now. My story is that Jesus has given me a sense of purpose and stability that you can't quite find anywhere else. 
Um, I grew up going to another church, but it was fusion that initially sparked my interest in how God could be present in my own life. Uh, I kept going to Sunday mornings, midweeks, and fusion retreats, and over time I started to become closer to God. Particularly, the fusion retreats had a big impact on my faith, as well as being super fun trips. I'm very, very thankful for our amazing youth leaders, who have each had such a positive impact on my life. They made it fun for me to learn about God and grow in my faith, and I truly wouldn't be who I am today without them. They have helped me to develop my own faith, but also helped me grow as a person. Uh, now that I am closer to God, I feel like I can make a difference in my community, either by myself or as part of a larger group. Um, I feel more confident because I know that God and His promises will never change, no matter what is going on in my current life. Um, as I've mentioned, Horizons has been a huge part of my faith journey. Uh, recently, um, I feel like going to Rise and being involved with different church activities have helped me grow in my faith the most. Horizons allows me to continue to grow in my faith by giving me the opportunity to be part of the community. Uh, I think that the feeling of connection to those around me is one of my favorite parts about Horizons. Uh, I have the sense that I am a part of something bigger than myself, and I know that there are um, good people around me who care about me, which is a really good feeling. Um, I know I still have work to do, but I'm really happy with where my faith is at this point. Uh, this is my story. I am Horizons. Reasons why you or other people follow Jesus. Maybe like Grace and Riley and Caleb, you grew up in the church. Maybe you like the church and you, you appreciate the values that the church offers. Maybe you really love the sense of community that you gain from the church. Maybe you are just really fascinated by the teachings of Jesus. Maybe following Jesus and being a part of the church gives you a sense of purpose. Uh, maybe you um, just recognize uh, Jesus as your savior and you feel redeemed or forgiven by following Jesus. And maybe it's, a, it's about for you uh, what happens to you after you die. Now, our passage of scripture today comes from the book of Romans, and Romans is a book by the, or a letter by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And chapter 1 through 11 talk about why we should love and follow and believe in Jesus. For example, chapter 3, it talks about that we have all sinned, and we have all fallen th short, but through faith in Jesus, we are justified. In chapter 6, we read that we, when we are baptized, we are baptized and given this new life and that we will be resurrected just like Jesus was and reunited with him. In chapter 8, we read that nothing, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future will ever separate us from the love of God. Now, sometimes we live in chapters 1 through 11. And we forget that life in Jesus means a transformed life, a different life than we were living before. So we turn to chapter 12 in Romans, and Romans chapter 12 is, is one of the most challenging chapters in the Bible. And I'm not saying it because it's confusing. There's much more confusing chapters in the Bible. But actually practicing what Paul is trying to teach us is really difficult. 
Like this chapter is a practical application chapter. Do you want to know how to apply Jesus's teaching to your life? Read and reread chapter 12 of Romans. So we start out with verse one. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Now, other translations of this passage uh, for uh, uh, the, the appropriate priestly service, other translations have proper worship. Not just going through the actions of worship, but actually we are a living sacrifice as opposed to the dead animal sacrifice. So now we are a a living sacrifice. And when we show up to worship, filled with the living spirit, presenting ourselves to God, this pleases God. So verse two, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Now, some people use this verse as a judgment against others, saying, well, those people are conforming to society's ways and they need to stand on the truth. But this passage is not for others. This passage was written to Paul, to followers of Jesus. This is what we should be doing as followers of Jesus. Now, Paul believed that there were two ages, the present evil age, that's what we're in now, and the age to come in which God will bring new life and, and, and new life and hope to the world, hope to, to humankind and peace on earth. So we have the present evil age and, and the age to come. But Paul also believed that this age to come had already begun in Jesus's death and resurrection. So we must learn how to behave in a way that prepares us for the age to come. That's already breaking in, one of peace and joy and hope. So we are are supposed to be countercultural, but not all aspects of the culture are evil. There are some really good aspects of our culture. And Paul is saying this warning to the church to make sure that they always have a foot in the age to come. That is important. Now, anything that goes against the teaching of Jesus would be conforming to this world. And it takes some Christian maturity to figure out what that is. There are a lot of Christians in our world but there are not very many mature Christians in our world. Now, do you think you are one of the mature Christians? Do I think I am one of the mature Christians? Well, let's read verse three. Because of the grace that God gave me, 
Paul says, I can say of each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. Now, this is where we often fall short, yes? We think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And we forget to recognize that God has gave us all an equal portion of his grace and love. It's easy to see the other side and, and say, well, I am better than them. And the world is, is trying to tear us apart, as in Christians against Christians. Well, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those Christians, we say. The world is trying to tear us apart. Now, I'm going to skip verses 4 through 8, but you should read them later. But basically, it's saying that we all have gifts, and we all make up one body of Christ, and that we should use our skills that God has given us, not trying to be someone that we're not, but also being open to the Spirit, exposing that, uh, the Spirit that, that can expose gifts that we may not be aware of. So here's verses 9 through 14. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Now, there's a lot in, this, in, the, in these verses, but uh, we must serve in, in ways that show that we are on fire with the Spirit. It says that we are supposed to pray, that we are supposed to bless others instead of talking nasty behind their back or to their face. It says that we're supposed to take time to celebrate with others, grieve with others. Now, Paul uses this word love, and it's more about what people did than how they felt. Love was an action of helping others. Whatever the, the need was, whether it be financial or other needs, love was the action of doing that. Here's verses 16 and 17. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. Again, it repeats, because Paul probably thinks the people in the church really need to know this, that we should not think more highly of ourselves. We are no better than others. And if we believe we have it all figured out and we know 
better than others, don't be so sure. Paul says, don't think you are so smart. So we treat others with respect. When, we, when others have different opinions than we do, we, we, maybe we just don't understand their actions. Maybe we don't understand why they think what they do, but we invite them into our house and we get to know them and we show them respect. And here is the rest of the verses of chapter 12. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, so these are the Lord's words. The Lord says, revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. Instead, the Lord says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Now, the heaping piles of coals on your enemy's head comes from Proverbs chapter 25. And this was punishment. And so by being kind to our enemies or to others, it's kind of punishment for our enemies. But maybe possibly by being kind to our enemies, we can win them over. And even if they don't repent, if you are kind to them and they don't change their ways, you will be rewarded for your kindness, not for your judgment. Judgment belongs to God. So for Paul to write these words in this culture of Rome, this was countercultural for them. Like in the past, you fought for what you wanted. It was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth uh, kind of society. And Jesus said, nope, we're going to kill them with kindness. But that's not how it was. You did what you needed to do to protect your family and your property and your wealth. Now, this kind of kindness was not something that was practiced before Jesus. This was what Jesus came to teach us. And if I think of our society, especially among Christians, I think that this is the most important thing that we are missing right now. The gospel is about transforming lives. It's about the transformation of lives. It's about uh, your personal story changed. It's about my personal story changed by Jesus. It's also about transform, transformed churches. And that's why we have this prayer that we are praying. If you don't have a card with our prayer on it, you can grab one on your way out or take a picture. It's on the door on the way out. Uh, and this is why we are focusing on our mission and our vision and our values this year. So I invite you to, to say the prayer and, and fill out this survey that we have just for a couple more days will be open. So it's about transformed lives. It's about transformed churches, and it's also about transformed neighborhoods. 
Now, this survey that we're inviting you to, to take is about uh, the inner reflecting the outer. How can we transform more lives in our community? Now, Pastor Steve Todd, with the founding pastor of Horizons, and Pastor Steve Todd was sent to Lincoln by the United Methodist Church with a mission about 27 years ago. And Pastor Steve Todd and a small group of people had a vision to transform this neighborhood, to create a church in, in South Lincoln that was a little bit different than the church down the street, a church that everyone could invite their friends to. Now, Pastor Steve Todd is retiring next month, and we have a chance to thank him for his vision and for his dedication uh, of sharing the good news in Lincoln and in this community, creating Horizons Community Church. Now, Pastor Steve Todd uh, helped fuel and change some of your lives, and we have this opportunity. If you stay with us after the service, we're going to meet outside the, the front of the building, and we're going to take a quick video thanking him for what he's done. And I know many of you don't know Pastor Steve Todd, but we still want you to join us because Romans says that we are supposed to be happy with those who are happy. And we certainly are thankful for the stories of those who went before us to make us who we are today. So what does this word transformed even mean? Paul says that we are supposed to uh, not conform to the world, but we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Well, the Greek word for transformed is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And this change happens when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. We present ourselves, our minds, and our bodies, and we get, begin spending time with God and doing the things that God wants us to do. So meta means change after being with. So in our case, it's change after being with God. And then, and then morphu means changing form in keeping with our inner reality. So meta means by spending time with God, we are changed on the inside. Our minds are renewed. This is the thing that, that God sees before anybody else sees. That God sees our, our hearts softening and our minds being renewed. And then what happens is that inner reality that God sees first comes to the surface of your life in the things that you do and the things that you say and the words that you speak. Now, for us to be transformed, we need to spend time with God. We need to spend time with God and, we have, and have the courage not to fear what the world might say of us. Transforming our minds might mean learning the hard lessons of unity with our siblings in Christ. We, we cannot let the world tear us apart. Maybe transforming means, uh, a transformation in your life means stepping away from seemingly 
harmless activities that keep us away from God or stepping away from things that are harming our bodies or our relationships. The things that are getting in the way of a renewed mind so we can serve with a spirit that is on fire. Now, of course, there is more at stake than just throwing a ball into a basket. Following Jesus is about new life, new life for us and new life for others. And it's not always easy, but it's worth it. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we are thankful for the opportunity to gather for worship together, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice opening our our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us. You have created this beautiful world for us to live in. And by sending your son, Jesus, you have given us this glimpse of the age to come. The present age is is full of hate and, and many things that distract us from spending time with you. May our our inner selves be changed by you and may our our inner reality flow out of us so much so that the world will look at us and know that we are different. They will know that we are serving a God who who portions out the same measure of grace, grace to each and every one of us. It's not easy, God, but we know that you are with us. We say this in Jesus' name, amen.